0: This episode of the School of Laughs podcast is brought to you by Brandon Young. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, check it out, SchoolofLaughs.com forward slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, or www.patreon.com forward slash School of Laughs. Thanks, Brandon. Welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, This is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here. And again, thanks to Brandon Young for sponsoring this episode. Uh, Man, what a busy, busy month it's been in June Between conferences and gigs, had a great time last weekend in Jackson, Ohio, at the Marquet Theater. Shout out to everybody there that came out. Just had a good old time. And this week, pretty busy, too. Headed up to Goshen, Indiana for a quick gig back down to Tennessee. And then Saturday this week, hey, if you're around Saturday and you're in Springfield, Ohio area, give me a shout. Shoot me an email. I've got a uh, fundraising gig out there for Sheriff Gene Kelly. And that's open to the public, and I can let you know about the location and all that stuff. I'll also put it in the show notes if you just want to click through the lastcom podcast and find this episode on there. That's open to the public, as is June 30th at Zany's. I'll be with Brian Bates and a couple of other comedians helping to raise some money there, the uh, fund that we're trying to raise for to be determined. But we will have a great show that night. It'll be a clean show. So if you've been kind of holding me off on going to the clubs because it's normally the two uh, – racy, then come on in and check me and Brian out. We're not very racy at all. We're old dudes with walkers. So anyway, check us out there if you can. I have more announcements at the end of this episode, but I kind of want to jump into it. Last week, John Brayne and I issued each other a challenge to do some new material at a uh, showcase set that we were both doing. I recorded those sets, and today I've got the results. Who fared better? Who talked to the crowd too much? Who stammered their way through it? Who had more success Who had no success? Mm, Lots of questions. Maybe there's no answer to some of those, but you'll find out listening here in a second. I'm going to do a lot more of these episodes because, A, it helps me make sure I put new material into my set, and, B, it's a great teaching tool. As you'll hear, we'll go through the set, stop and pause it, and kind of give our takes on where we were in our mind on stage and where the crowd was and what we'll do differently, if anything. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Let me know if you do, because it does take more work to produce this kind of episode, but I do think it's more helpful than just me yammering on like I'm doing now. So let's go to John Brainian and I discussing how the showcase went. What's going on, sir? Here we are again. I know, with the results. The ballots have been tallied, and I think it was a successful experiment, huh? Well, I think so. Yeah. What do you think? I thought you fared better than I did, but... uh. You know, I think all was all the stuff before, you know, on the first call before you did the set out loud, it sounded like pretty solid stuff to me. So it was good that my instincts were validated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: I had a it, it looked pretty solid to me, too. But you never know until you try it out on stage whether you're going to be able to communicate it to an audience or not.
0: Yeah, it was, it was pretty solid, especially I, I was thinking in the MC spot, basically. You know, you still had to throw out the new material and, and test it out. So, even braver.
1: Truthfully, and you already know this, that the uh, the most important part of the set is the opening. You know, minute. You go up on stage and you have to establish that you're funny. And then once you establish that you're funny and they like you, you get a little more you get a little more latitude. You know, if I'd have gone out and started with that material, it would have been a whole different. Reaction
0: yeah, why don't we play it? Okay, you even had like a funny tone you like I could hear in your voice like up. Oh, we're gonna try some new stuff here
1: <laughs> Yeah, you could tell you knew what was going
0: on. Yeah, and then listening back. It was kind of extra funny because it-
1: It's just so many things people get worked up about people get worked up about politics Yeah, oh I know <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean that was It's <laughs> my grandmother um, you know, we get worked up and I don't do political humor. I don't. And uh, because I, I don't think it's that interesting. I don't think it's, I'm, I just am not interested in politics. That's why I'm happy about the nominees, because they have nothing to do with politics either. And so, you know, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. It's like, yeah, we can talk about them because it's not political. Um. All
0: right. So that first bit. You kind of tell them that you don't talk about politics, and then you talk about politics, which was a joke inside the joke that I liked, and they got it right away. Right. And they had li- you know, they listened to you for seven or eight minutes, probably up into that point, so you had them all on your side. Yeah. And yeah. That's important. Yes. You can't start with new material. Unless you're trying to a new opener.
1: Well, if you're trying to a new opener, but the—
0: Everything else, it's nice to have them— warmed up a little bit.
1: Right. Well, the key is that they have to understand who you are. And so if you go out, I'm not a political humorist, so to go out and start with that material would have would have laid a foundation that's false. Um, and so you have to go out, always, you have to go out and start with your material that describes who you are right. in some manner. And then you can go from there.
0: Yeah. So you got good laughs on the first part. And at that point, I, I thought the audience thought, well, that's just the one joke that he's not going to do about politics, but it continues. Right, right. Well,
1: and it's but it's true. Even that is true. I, I don't like political humor. I don't think it's funny, by and large. And so I wasn't being untruthful there. I was telling them, you know, honestly, I don't think this is, is funny. And then, uh, so I think subconsciously, or psychologically, it sort of gets them on my side, because we're all commiserating about how you know, none of us like politics in this particular season. Nobody's really happy with what's going on in politics. Right. And so we have that general, you know, uh, theme that's running through the entire audience. Everybody in this country, I think is, uh, is not really happy. Yeah. And so you just tap into that and, and say, yeah, I don't, I don't like, I don't like politics and they're all, yeah, we don't like it either. And I think that's what happened.
0: I think so too. And then it- but you're still like, but we're going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> yeah, we're going to talk about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was a good setup. And uh, let's listen to the next little chunk here and see see how close they stayed with you.
1: And I think finally, I think we can agree that in this country that these two candidates have, uh, have started to unite us in America. Um, because whether you are a, you know, Trump and Hillary, they've brought us together because we can all agree now that the best presidential candidate has already dropped out of the race.
0: All right, so still got the laugh, but it was, that was the first part where I could tell it was new because you were kind of... Because I
1: wasn't sure what to say. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know how the setup went.
0: But yeah, it almost looked like you got a little ahead of yourself and like, I want to make sure I go back. But you were able to, to salvage it, which is an important thing. Like, you know, even when I watch... Letterman sets, there's always a few gaffes and goofs and Mm -hmm. people mess up a few words. And it's important, I think, for everybody listening that's especially new, that it doesn't have to be perfect the first time out. It just has to get out there so you can perfect it later.
1: Right. Right. And that is uh, that was me not trusting the audience. That's why I did that, because I all all I really needed to say was that the two candidates have united us. Uh, and I could have gone right ahead, but right. I didn't trust the audience to, to get what I was saying. And so that was where all of that other uh, unnecessary verbiage got introduced. But I, I didn't need anything after, after that.
0: Right. So the next time you do it, you'll just cut that part out, Be right. a little bit tighter. And now you know that the joke's tested, so you'll have more confidence in the setup too. Right. Cool. Let's proceed on a little bit further. This is why I don't do political humor. <laughs> That was that in reaction to the crowd not, not giving you a big response 'cause it it was a decent response, but yeah, it was
1: it was decent, and that's uh that's a thing that I do that's kind of become a saving line for me you know when I'm trying out new material. it's a sort of a safety net um and uh you know I'll, I'll, the, the talk show guys do this with their monologues. If something doesn't work or they perceive that it doesn't work or it's over the line and they they know that maybe there's some people who are upset by it or whatever, then they will just take full ownership of whatever the perceived failure is. They go, yeah, I, I don't blame you. You know, I don't like that one either. Um, whatever. And so it's a way of just staying on, si- on the audience's side rather than alienating them. Um, I try to... I try to acknowledge, yeah, you know, you're right. That, that really wasn't that good. Um, this is why I don't do political humor.
0: That's a great uh, advantage that stand ups have because you can stop in the moment. Whereas in a movie or a play, you can't really step outside right. and break that third wall. So
1: it's always about bringing the audience along with you. You know, if you can, and there's a certain amount of um, uh, what's that they, they sort of sympathize with you. You become a character, you're this lone character up on stage. Trying to make them laugh, and when they're not laughing, and and again, that wasn't a bad reaction. Um, but if they're not laughing, then you say, "Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. This is why I don't do political humor." That's a way of bringing them on board, and it's like, okay, you know, well, let's let's try the next one. Now we're ready, we're ready for the next one. You acknowledge that maybe this wasn't as good as it was supposed to be, so now we can all go forward. It's a, it's just a way of building the com- maintaining the community with the audience.
0: Yeah. It's a nice little inside. Inside the joke game you're playing with the audience. Right. I've got one where I had this one joke where half the time it gets an applause break, another half it gets a laugh, and then the beginning of a groan because it's wordplay. And so when, when it starts to get the groan, I just look at them and go, ooh, that was a long way to go for that one, wasn't it? Buddy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that always gets a bigger laugh than the original punchline. Right, thing. right. And then even if they don't groan, I'll still throw that line there sometimes just to acknowledge that you know it was a little bit longer set up than the other jokes I have. Right.
1: Right. Rich Scheidner used to do a thing. Where he would if something didn't work, he would say, Yeah, I know, it's not this. It's not going over your head. It's more like this. And he would hit (laughs) himself right in the head. It's like, Yeah, we get it. It's just not funny. (laughs) I like that. And so yeah, that gives the audience credit for not being, you know, stupid. Yeah. It's your fault. It's my fault. It's if you're not laughing, it's my fault. It's not your fault. That's right. So,
0: Cool. Let's proceed a
1: little bit further. Trump is an outsider, you know, and people like that about him because he's demonstrating that it doesn't matter in this country. You can run for president, whether you're black or white or orange or whatever. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: whatever color he is, you know, he's
0: running for president. Now that got a nice long laugh there. Yeah, that worked. You, th- you think you're also kind of settling into the bit and you're like, okay, these political jokes are working. I'm going to to let them laugh and that's, trust it a little bit more right yeah
1: that's part of it we've already established that I don't like to do it but there yeah if and I would have bailed if the if it hadn't been working as well as it was working to that point I would have never gone and done the rest of that material because you know you throw that out there I don't like political humor but we're going to do political humor they laughed it's like okay well we can that's permission to go ahead and proceed and we've gotten some decent laughs up to this point. But if I'd lost them up to this point, then I'm done because, obviously, they're not, they're not with me. So there's no reason to keep flogging them with material that they're not interested in.
0: Yeah, that, I like that laugh. I knew that when, you, when we ran that before you did the set, that that should get a big laugh. And uh, just the orange is a great misdirection. And it's, it's the rule of threes, too, whether you realize it or not. You know, it's black or white or orange. So right. good use of a technique in there. Let's listen a little bit more.
1: And uh, Hillary, same way. Hillary is uh, coming from, she's reminding us that she didn't have everything. You know, she had it hard. She, she's overcome things. She has, she has built her career, and she has done without. Um, she's done without a moral compass. She's done without scruples. She's done without a personality. And look where she's at. She's...
0: she's uh amazing <laughs> that's another good long laugh yeah the uh you know again it's a new material so it's a little bit chippy there Rocky. in the beginning not as smooth but you know for for sure now that the punchline's solid so just tighten up that front end mm-hmm. just a little but another good laugh there
1: yeah two. well there's two things um that even after we uh, I, I, and i agree with you the first time it comes out of your head it's not, you're not really sure what the setup is. I'm, I'm not a guy who writes out word for word and then memorizes. I tend to be more conversational and I'll just figure it out. I know where the punchline is supposed to be. So I'll just figure out the setup on stage. Um, And there comes a point where I will literally, if if the joke is solid and I've worked it and I've done it, um, I will intentionally kind of bobble the setup sometimes because it seems more uh, organic that way. I mean, if I if I deliver every single line flawlessly, then it starts to look like what it is, which is memorized material. <laughs> and so there's times when I know what the material is, and I will start a line, and then I'll and then I'll repeat it like I'm like I'm trying to find my space. I already know where I'm going, but I fake like you know I'm I'm messing it up because I think it, I think it looks more natural.
0: Um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I call. You know, getting it too tight is, I call that stand-up slick. You don't want it to be so stand-up slick that you don't even have to be in the, in the room to be doing the material anymore. Right, right. So, yeah, some of those uh, forced organic <laughs> moments. But it's a, it's a trick even, the, you know, like you say, monologue late-night guys will use. I do a couple things where I, I don't finish the sentence once I know that they've got the, the point across,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'll just stop it and get right into the punchline like I'm thinking of it right now. Right. And that's something I stumbled into you know many years ago, and there's, there's several jokes where I do it that way every single time. And even though it's memorized like that, I still deliver it organically. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but that,
0: Almost like cutting yourself off and go, well, here's what I'm trying to say.
1: Right. That, it's a great technique because it, it adds energy um, and, it, and it also communicates to the audience that we're all on the same page. I don't need to even finish the sentence because we all know where we're going. Um, yeah, it's... It's intentional. That wasn't intentional with the Hillary stuff, but sometimes it is intentional.
0: Now, do you, do you think the next time you do that, will you pause between each of the three things she's done without, or will you run it on together like you did that time?
1: I don't know. It, it's, uh, I, I think there's a, a sort of elegance in, in being able to delay between, because once I say, you know, she's done without a moral compass, um, they already know that the rest of them are going to be in the same vein. We're talking about things that she has done without and it's not the thing she means when she says she's done without and so i i, I don't know there's a um uh, one of the problems i have with with songs with with funny songs is that you're locked into a particular meter and and timing them and so because the song moves on, the music moves on, you don't always get to wait for the laughter. And I think a lot of funny songs cut off the laughter necessarily. And so, um, you know, with jokes, I try not to, well, we'll just let it breathe. I don't even know, I don't even know if I'm going to use those same uh references, those same three things that she's done without, right? You know, you can I could fool around with different things, um, in that vein and see which ones work the best. Right. But uh, what happened at the end of that was um, you just wait. I just waited and sort of let it sort of let it lay there and percolate. And what happened was the audience started. They just continued to laugh. Um, and it's an important rule for beginners to, to understand because it communicates a lot of power when you wait on stage. When you stand on stage and wait for them to laugh, that's powerful um, because it takes guts to do that. Uh, you're you're telling them that you know I trust this, and so I'm going to give you a moment to let this lay there. Uh, and nine times out of ten, if it's halfway decent material, the laughs will say will sustain or even build a little bit because I'm telling them, okay, that was a pretty decent joke. So I'm just going to wait and let you guys appreciate it for what it is.
0: Um, right, and you know, and you appreciate the audience, and you're not cutting them off in the laughter. I mentioned on the podcast a lot of times that somebody had told me that you're having a conversation when you're on stage and the jokes are your part and then the laughter and response is their part. And if you cut them off early, they're going to stop laughing as, as long because they know that you're going to cut them off early. So it's respect for your crowd when you let them enjoy the joke all the way through. It, it, it's more so that than overconfidence or you know deliberate pausing. It's, hey, I'm going to let you guys do your, your job. Yeah, yeah. Well, and
1: it creates a... Uh it, it kind of puts them at ease, too, because they start to feel attention. If you're, if you're just rapid firing, then they know, oh, i, I got to pay attention because I'm going to miss things. Um, and it, it, cuts, it cuts down on the laughs. And so if you give them time to laugh and sort of wait for them, um, it puts them at ease. And the laughter actually goes up. It's counter what you would think, but the laughter does
0: go up. Yeah. I think on, on that joke, if I was going to do it the second time, I would do the first two... You know, moral compass, scruples, hit those kind of quick. Let them get the first laugh in, and without a personality, because that's yeah. I think that would draw more attention. To that third one, and again, you could rotate those around. She's done without a. You know, a faithful husband, if you want to go that route. Yeah. There's a, a million things you could put in.
1: She's, there. she's done without any, uh, she's done without adhering to the law. She's done without following the law. You know, she's, she's, done,
0: done, she's done without a clothing stylist. <laughs>
1: yeah. She's done without,
0: <laughs> she's <laughs> done without a Macy's get, uh, shopping. Yeah. She's,
1: she's done without any fashion sense. There, yeah. There's a million things you could say, and it's just a matter of figuring out which ones work the best.
0: Right, and and probably if it was an all female audience, the fashion sense thing might get a bigger laugh than it probably yeah, would. So it's something you can change just depending on the group in front of you. you have a little arsenal, yeah. of punchlines. Cool, man. Let's listen a little bit further. Amazing. And
1: people like the fact that Donald Trump is an outsider. That's what we. That's what we like about him. You know, he's not. He doesn't have any experience, and that's a good thing in our politicians now. There's no other. There's no other thing where that would be a thing you'd want. You wouldn't take your. You wouldn't take your car to an auto mechanic for 20 years and then go. You know what? I'm tired of this. You've got too much experience. I'm going to take it down to the restaurant, and see what the chef has to say about this. <laughs> He's going to pour vinaigrette dressing into the gas tank, and then like, it's got my vote.
0: That was good. It Took a little while to get there as you're working through it, but the uh, the vinaigrette and the gas tank's pretty funny.
1: Yeah. Well, and since since that recording, I've done that bit one other time and it's better. I changed I changed vinaigrette to ranch and for some reason that seemed to work better. Uh and the line is uh yeah we're gonna put we put he's gonna put um gonna put ranch dressing in the engine um and nobody's ever done that before and that's sort of the Donald Trump thing. You know, no one has ever done this before. At least at least it's different. Than what we've had before, and that's what's that's what we like about the politics now. They're different than what they had before. Not necessarily effective, but they're different.
0: And, yeah, we've got burnout on the same old political mumbo jumbo. Right now, here's a guy that doesn't make any sense at all, but he's right. just not political mumbo jumbo nonsense. Right,
1: right. And we like that better. And
0: so, yeah, it, it's still it was still rocky. The setup was rocky, but um, I'm thinking of the punchline now, like being more specific with like what type of car it is could get you an extra laugh, Mm -hmm. you know, Corolla or something. You know, I'm a big fan of that hard case sound, if you can throw it in there somewhere. Right. And then maybe even, I'm thinking like famous dressings like that uh, Paul Newman deal. He's got that charity where all his dressings. Right. So uh, you might even make reference to that. Have the mechanic top off your Cadillac with some Newman's own ranch dressing, you know. Fill her up, Paul. Right. Something like that.
1: help out the help out the little guys yeah all
0: right let's go a little bit deeper here
1: Trump's an outsider he's not And and but he's a billionaire you know he relates to the regular person because we can all identify with a regular guy (laughs) who's got billions of dollars that's just like me but he gets away with a lot of things I think he gets away with a lot of things because he's a billionaire and we assume that people with a lot of money um, can't be stupid We assume that, right? Because look at the stuff that he says. If he was sitting down on his porch, chewing tobacco, barefoot in a pair of overalls, saying the sort of...
0: Great description there, by the way, because that's that's half of America. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, and that wasn't even exactly what I meant to say. I meant to say if he was sitting on the porch of a mobile home, I said sitting on his porch, which still, if we're talking about Donald Trump, puts him in a mansion. And so I I meant to put mobile home in there and forgot it. He was sitting down on his porch chewing tobacco barefoot in a pair of overalls saying the sort of stuff that he said. You know, I'll tell you what, if I was ever president, I'd go down to Mexico and build me a big old wall. And I would make them Mexicans pay for it. Then I'd build a roof over the whole gum country so they couldn't parachute in on us.
0: I got a good laugh there at the
1: end of parachuting line. Yeah, well, and I wasn't sure where the laughs were going to be. That's the reason that that was all broken up like that. Because, because I, for the for the listeners at home, uh, that's how I do it. I'm not sure exactly where the punchlines are going to be. I've got things that I think are funny, but I don't know if they're going to agree with me. And so that the cadence in there was a little bit broken up because I was pausing to see, okay, is that funny? Okay, well, we'll move on. Is that funny? Is that funny? I was trying to figure out where the punchlines were.
0: Yeah, and I guess we should at least throw this in there so they understand the difficulty level of this gig we had. It was in the round as well. So yeah, yeah. sometimes you're delivering your setup to one wall of people, and then you turn, and your punchline goes to the other. And there's yeah. a, like a half a second delay on the video screens for the people that are watching the video screen. So I just thought I'll, I'll let them know the level of difficulty. You've had great success with all that going on around you. So, overall, what do you think of your set? Like, are you going to use those jokes throughout the political season when you see them? I, right I may.
1: I uh, may go ahead and stick them in there. Again, I'm not a big fan of political humor. And so I'm not itching to get those into the act because they're going to be short lived. And, uh, but it, if it comes up, it's nice to have a few current event things because you never know when it's going to pop up or somebody's going to say something in the audience and you should at least be vaguely aware of what's going on, whether or not, you know, kids have fallen into gorilla cages and um, stuff like that. But yeah, overall, I'm pleased with it strictly because it was not uh, something that I was inspired to write. I wrote it um, as an exercise to see if I could generate some workable, decent material on a subject that I had no interest in. And so that's what makes me happiest about that.
0: Yeah, it's really, I thought, a really good, solid chunk of material, and and even, I mean, we know the tweaks you're going to make to tighten it up, but even without those tweaks, that's, that's still some pretty solid stuff. Yeah, it works. It's not bad. Uh, and, you know, for everybody listening, this kind of material is great when you have to do some radio to promote your event. They're, you know, it's so easy for them to ask you, what do you think about the current political climate or whatever, and you can launch into, I think that's almost three and a half minutes and be be funny all the way through. and you know, take the pauses you would on stage and let the DJ or the host of the show pitch in a little bit, but get right back on track and get all the way through the whole thing. Three and a half, that, that'll fill a spot. Yeah, so good stuff there. All right. Mine was not as tight as yours, so I'm still going to play it. And Mine was about the same length, three minutes and ten seconds, and we'll kind of punch our way through it as well. The one thing I did <clears throat> is I <a clears throat> wasn't sure how to get into the topic of the sea world stuff really naturally so what i did is i took a disney joke that i already had to start out the bit to kind of anchor it so at least i knew they were going to be with me on the front end and then i kind of introduced the topic right after so the first joke is still fairly new i've only done it three or four times and the reaction i got that night was was pretty good on it and i added a tagline so again this is the same show john was on i was about three or four comics later and this is my little attempt to get into my new material the 3-year-old she is a little princess. She loves all that Disney stuff. She's watched that movie Frozen probably 17,000 times. You ever see that movie Frozen? So I'm trying to explain the moral of the story to my little girl. I'm like, that princess gets really mad and she don't know how to deal with it and she like freezes people out of her life with her hand and freezes them. How can she stop doing that? My 3-year-old goes, "Well, I reckon she just cut off her hands." I'm like, "What? What is this? Disney on Isis? What's going on here? I don't think uh I'm going to check your backpack. I don't know what's going on in this room anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of lesson is Disney our Kids. <laughs> All right. So that was my way of getting <sighs> into talking about vacationing and Disney and kids.
1: Well, Disney on ISIS was one of my favorite lines for the whole night.
0: So Thank you. yeah. Um, yeah. That one, I, I kind of, I need to get that front end a little bit tighter and I never need to ask the audience. Have you guys seen this movie? Right, enough of them will have seen it. So that was just me trying to like get ready for the next part. Right, <laughs> you know, asking permission to <laughs> try my whole my whole new little. Scene. Right,
1: I we all do it, I, and I have I, I have tried um, deliberately and intentionally to stop polling the audience. And I'll as I'm writing things uh sometimes. The, the setups will come out in the form of questions and I'll go back and intentionally change those questions into statements because I don't want to be polling the audience. It's, it's tiring for an audience to constantly be asked, have you seen this movie? Have you been to this place? Have you ever experienced this? Have you done that? You know, how are you, are you guys married? How many are single? They just get tired of that. Um, yeah. Just and do your jokes.
0: If I remember right, I think I asked that too, because I was- in one, this was at a church for people, if we haven't set that up before, and in one group of pews, it was all like little kids. So as I was delivering that, I looked over and saw them, so I was you know, trying to include them, but I didn't necessarily need to do that, so that's something I would definitely take out. So I've got them thinking about Disney and my kids, which puts me in a little spot to talk about my vacation, so let's keep going here. <laughs> And so we took a family vacation recently. She wanted to go to Disney World really, really bad. You know, all the little kids do. And my wife's like, we can do that, can't we? I'm like, no, I'm a comedian, single, you know, we can't afford to do that. My wife goes, oh, well, we we'll just have a garage sale. Yeah, so we did and sold the two cars in the garage. Yeah, I should have sold it after I, you know, long walk to the airport carrying those bags and all. But. So there, the, the line worked. And then I was in the moment trying to think of a tagline and put myself in the, like if we just sold our two cars, I realized I still have to get to the airport to take the vacation. Right. So I stumbled on it, but I stumbled into an extra tagline that I can use from now on. Like should I have had the garage sale after we got to the airport, which still doesn't really make sense, but no, <laughs> but if, you know, maybe I talk about the long Uber ride with somebody, you
1: know? Yeah. Well, uh, so we sold the two cars and the garage. Um, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, something that there. works. have a garage sale. I mean, we had a garage sale. Well, we had after, after the garage sale, we had no place to keep the car, so we sold those two.
0: There you go. Sold the garage first. Yeah. Got two cars in it.
1: So we had a garage sale and we had no place to keep the car, so we just sold those.
0: Okay. Yeah. Let me try that next time. You try it. Yeah. All right. So now we're going on vacation. Let's see where we end up going. We still couldn't afford Disney after the garage sale, so we, I wouldn't say settle because I had a great time. SeaWorld Aquatica. Anybody been to that place? Again, I don't need to ask people if they've been to see World right. Aquatic. I just need to explain but, what it is so they know.
1: But it's it's so in it's ingrained in us to do that because that's the way that we try to keep the audience. You know, the, the last thing we want is for the audience to go, "Ah, oh, I don't have any. I, I don't relate to what he's saying." And so we're we're like preachers. Preachers say, "Can
0: I get an amen? Can I get an amen?" My first several years of doing comedy was with improv, where we asked for suggestions for every single scene. Right. And that was a long time ago, so it should be out of my system by now. But again, it's just that new joke jitters, I think.
1: Yeah, but, but it's are This is why you tape shows and go back and listen, because you go, oh, I pulled them. I pulled them at the beginning of every single joke. I, I got to knock that off. Yeah.
0: That's how you get better is you listen to your set. Absolutely. So let's see if they go on the trip with me here to Aquatica. Have y'all been? <laughs> it's like a water park, a big water park. But they don't have rides. They just have things that get you wet. Uh, We thought we were going to the Lazy River because I just wanted to float around. And we ended up going this thing called Roo's Run, Hooroo Run, you know what I'm talking about? Here's what you do. You put on a life jacket and get out when you can. That's what the guy said. He said, get in there and go. I said, where's the exit? He goes, there ain't no exit. When you're done, just get out. But plan ahead because it's hard to get out if you can't plan ahead. And so... Like, getting out, the, it's 35 miles an hour, and the exit is behind you. It's like spaghetti junction at 5 o'clock. So you're trying to get from one side to the other and get out of there. All right, so again, I bounced around a little bit too much in the beginning, but as I'm explaining it, they're, they're coming along with me. And the the image, I mean, it's true, like the exits are behind you. So I've got to I've got to find a better analogy or comparison for that. But you can't get out with, without having a lot of work to try to find the exits and and kind of get into an eddy that allows you to pull out of that stream.
1: Yeah, the creek of no return. It's like you, know, you got a you got a life jacket and you get in, and that's all that they tell you. Those the only instructions are: here's your life jacket and get in, and then but there's no.
0: Which is also what they said at the Titanic. <laughs> right that, <laughs> there, you go. So, so that's yeah. what I added next time.
1: Yeah, there's no process for getting out. Like that's
0: like that's not equally important right. to getting in. All right, let's, let's ride out the rest of this. Little kid goes by us, he goes... Yeah. Now, I don't know they had a special on oatmeal there that day or what was going on, but it was... But it was like it stayed together, like it did not disperse. And you can't back paddle. You can't, like, get out of the way. And so it's... I got my tender. I'm like, let, let it go by in about three feet and then we'll get back on there. So we're following oatmeal around in a circle, around in a circle. I'm like, we are nothing more than two big scrubbing bubbles in a toilet right now. We are just going down. That was my vacation. How'd y'all do? All right. So that's my chunk there. Uh, The last part got the laughs. I don't. Yeah. I don't think I have any other vomit jokes in my entire show. So it's Well not, see, that's good. Yeah, so there's a new thing in there. Uh the oatmeal line kinda came out, like I was trying to think of something that would maybe stay together after the kid vomited, something that was food and not liquid maybe. Uh, right. and then keep it there as we're scrubbing bubbles going around in a circle. So Well it's
1: it seemed to work just the way it was. Because it was almost like an afterthought where you go and it stayed together. You know, it didn't disperse. And they, they, that's a, a pretty vivid picture. So, you got this little island of oatmeal, you know, that's sort of going along with you. Right. Um, it worked, I think, just the way it was.
0: Yeah. I'm going to do another show Friday where I can do that bit and I'll record it and um, see where it goes from there. But definitely looking at that, it was about three minutes. I could tighten all the stuff up in the front where I'm not asking them for permission to tell a joke. And that's probably a 90 second thing that i can add on to after i get it tight
1: yeah i the only the thought that occurred to me too was uh the oatmeal the, the sale on oatmeal it, it's good but maybe it was not oatmeal you know obviously it wasn't oatmeal because they don't sell that at the park if it was like a half digested funnel cake looks a lot like oatmeal or something oh, I like that where you explain what it is um so and i don't know it's just funnel cake is a funny word to me
0: yeah, maybe I could even be telling my ten year olds. There's that's another reason you're not getting funnel cake. Yeah, there you go. Like use it as a, a teaching moment in the middle of all this crisis.
1: Right. That's the other. That's the other reason that I didn't buy you a funnel cake. Right? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Well, I'm going to tighten that up and work on it some more. Uh, what you've got is pretty solid. And even though you're not passionate about the topic, you got jokes that are going to work for you when you need them. And you know, everybody listening that's still kind of new, even for guys that have been doing it a while, I just felt. Extra fun with that show by putting new material in there and challenging each other to do it and record it and put on the podcast, maybe focus on adding something to my set that night that I probably wouldn't have you know I'd started off pretty pretty good and then I wrapped up with some solid material, but having that in the middle to work on is really what we should always be doing,
1: yeah, well, I might not have done it either if we hadn't dared each other because uh, I had a pretty solid set going when I launched into it, and uh you know you- you never know what's going to happen when you try new material, but uh, yeah, I think for the for the people listening to the podcast, once you once you win over the audience, once you've got the audience uh, to where you've established a relationship and they like you, you can pretty much go about anywhere uh, as long as, as long as you don't be you know intentionally insulting. Yeah. But uh, you can try new material, and even if it doesn't work, they, you're still going to be friends with the audience. And that's crucial to understand because it gives you a level of comfort on stage that you, don't, that you don't have when you're first starting out. You think it's all about material, and if I don't make these people laugh, they're not going to like me, uh, which is true. But after you make them laugh, um, they'll give you a little latitude, and they'll, they'll go a long ways out on the limb with you.
0: So it's good stuff. I will, uh, you know, sometimes people listen to podcasts, hear these jokes in progress, and they want to add a tagline or a punchline or give us a new direction. So, again, I'll, I'll put your contact information. I'll have them get a hold of you on your Twitter. So if you see anything coming through Twitter. John underscore Brandon. Yeah. that's B-R-A-N-Y-A-N. Yep. So feel free to shoot John an idea. You can always shoot me a tag at School of Last on Twitter or SchoolofLast at gmail.com if you want to shoot it in an email. And I'll continue to work on this. This will be a chunk that ends up being in my new CD. So I'm going to keep working on it and developing it fr- even further now. So, oh, man. Well, thanks again, John, for playing along with the experiment. Hopefully I'll do a few more of these. It seems like a, a good teaching tool, and it's a good way to force us to put material into our sets. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Be safe out there. You bet. There you go. That's this week's podcast with John Branyan. Thanks, John, for allowing me to record you and use you as a guinea pig along with myself. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, they say. Hey, again, if you're in the uh, Springfield, Ohio area on Saturday, June 25th, that's this Saturday if you're listening on day of release, I'll be there doing a fundraiser in the afternoon. Love to have you come out. It's not very expensive at all this particular time to see me, so That'd be great. Come out and see me. Also, at Zany's on June 30th, that's a Thursday, with former student and podcast guest, as well as now full-time comedian, Brian Bates. That'll be a fun show. And lastly, if you're thinking about sponsoring the podcast, now's a great time to jump in. I want to mention this. So You know we do Google Hangouts, and we do all kinds of other cool stuff. One thing that's going to start on July 1st is our Club 52. Now, what's Club 52, you might ask? Good question. Each week, you'll receive an email from me, Rick Roberts, here at the School of Laughs, issuing you a challenge to help you get on top of your comedy career. Some weeks, it'll be business-oriented. Sometimes, it'll be writing. Sometimes, it'll be performance. Sometimes, it'll be networking. All kinds of different things that I'll challenge you to do. And if you take these steps each week, I'll make sure they're easily attainable steps, little bitty chunks. By the end of 52 weeks, in one year from now, you should see a major improvement in your overall comedy world. And I'm really looking forward to that. That's available to people that support the podcast through Patreon. And thanks again to all of you who are already sponsoring the podcast on Patreon, making a big difference, making it more fun and feasible for me to put these things out. So anyway, check that out if you like, patreon.com forward slash school of laughs. I'll talk to you next week. Have a great, safe summer. Thanks for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaps.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay money.